Now, children, if you'd like to fill in the children's sheets and you haven't brought one along printed, then I think there's quite a few on the table at the back and a clipboard and a pen or pencil there. So feel free to go and get one. And I hope that will help you to listen because God's word is for you as well. And we've got an important message for you this morning. Now, we're used to death being in the news. It's always in the news, whether it's people dying from war in Syria or earthquake in Turkey or an aeroplane going down into the Indian Ocean. There's loads of death in the news, but thankfully remote. It's not people like us. Well, they seem quite different. They're far away from us. We don't expect that sort of thing to happen to people like us. But now, now we keep hearing and seeing in the news about a lot of death, over a thousand a day, that has come very near to us because it's coronavirus. And it's people who are like us. And it's people who are very close around us. We are living life in the shadow of death. Life in the shadow of death. And that means we must be prepared. We need to be prepared because it's something that will come to us one day and we don't know when and we don't know how soon. We must be prepared. We prepare for all sorts of things. I've said this before, but I think it's worth saying again. I have an uncle who used to sell insurance and savings things. And he must have been getting a bit desperate because he came and visited uh, my dad to try to get some money out of him. And he said, all these different things you could put your money into. And I remember being an embarrassed teenager, being in the room while I heard my dad say, well, you've got something to be prepared for if you're ill and something to be prepared for if you retire and something to be prepared for if you lose your work. All things that might or might not happen. What have you got to be prepared for the one thing that definitely will happen? How are you prepared for when you die? Now was I in the room rather embarrassed, but he was right. What have you got to be prepared for when you die? Well, let's get prepared. Let's get wisdom to help us prepare and to help us live life in the shadow of death from a book of wisdom. It's the book of Proverbs. Would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27? Proverbs 27. Proverbs is a book about wisdom. It's sometimes called prudence. And it's not the same thing as being clever. By the way, children, you're about to hear an answer to one of your questions on the sheet. Wisdom is not the same thing as being clever. It means getting life right. Which isn't just about being clever. In fact, some very clever people get life very wrong and some not clever people get life right. It's about getting life right in a way that works and makes sense and most importantly, relates rightly to God and others. And because Proverbs is about wisdom, sometimes called prudence, it also talks about being a fool or simple. Again, it's not a matter of IQ, It's about getting life wrong. Bear that in mind as we read now just one proverb we're going to consider. Chapter 27, verse 12. Proverbs 27, verse 12. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. 
It's little, it's simple, not in the sense it says simple here. (laughs) I suppose easy to understand. But it's really helpful for living life in the shadow of death. And let's see from it now three things to do. Three things to do. The first is see danger. We must see danger. Now, children, I wonder if any of you have heard of a thing called tombstoning. Tombstoning, probably not. And I hope you never do it. Tombstoning is when people go to a big cliff overlooking the sea or maybe a very high harbour wall and they jump off vertically into the sea like a tombstone. And every year there are people who do that and they hit rocks and either die or break their backs. And there was a man who did that and he didn't die, he broke his back. And now he's in a wheelchair and he goes to those cliffs and harbour walls where people tombstone. And he said, I did that, look what happened to me, don't do it. And he says that there are many people who ignore him and they still do it. What fools? The prudent see danger. Well, I doubt many people here go in for tombstoning. I hope that none of you do. So what's the danger that we should see? Well, it's the subject of this sermon, death. Here we are living in the shadow of death. Surrounded by deaths from COVID-19, we've had this big reminder for the past year now, life is fragile, you are mortal. But it's not just COVID-19, and it's not just old people in hospitals. One day I was preaching, not in Loughborough, and on my way home from preaching, there was a little group of people by the side of the road, let's say about ten people, and they were gathered round a boy who looked like he was about 14 years old on the side of the road. What had happened? Another boy had been cycling along the road and been a bit careless. A car had swerved to avoid that boy cycling along the side of the road, and lost control and come off the road and hit this boy, and he was on the floor, dead. That was so solemn to me. I was on my way home from preaching about repentance. And there was a boy of about 14, and he had just in a moment been killed. Life is fragile. He'd unexpectedly died. Not everyone who tombstones dies from it, but everyone who sins dies from it. And then what happens? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about that, and I want to read you a few verses about it. I'm not going to try to describe it myself. There's a lot here I don't understand, and I certainly find it very hard to take. So I'm just going to read you some verses that the Bible says about then what happens. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, Man is destined to die once, and after that the judgment. And at that judgment, what happens? Romans 14, verse 12. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Oh, say some people, good, I'll get to tell God what I think of him. He hasn't given me enough evidence. Look at the mess he's made of this world. Well, no, you won't. Nobody will. Because Hebrews 10, verse 31 says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that God who will judge is Jesus. And Jesus described what that will be like and what he will do. Matthew 25, verse 41. 
Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And Jesus described that as a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so the last book of the Bible says, this is Revelation 14, verse 11, the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. Now I find all that very hard to take. And I don't understand exactly what it means, but I've purposely there just read you the verses because these are not my words, they're God's words. And these are the descriptions given by Jesus. And he's rather like that man in a wheelchair who broke his back tombstoning and now warns others. Because Jesus has been through death and hell. He got broken by it, although he's now mended. He's experienced it himself. And now he is lovingly warning you. The prudent see danger. Do you see it? Do you see it? Or do you pretend it's not there? Every time a smoker buys a packet of cigarettes, what does he see? A picture that shows this is the tar you're putting into your body. Or a picture that shows this is what your lungs will end up like. Or a picture that shows someone in hospital suffering from smoking. And what does he do? Buy the cigarettes and smoke them. Don't ignore God's warnings. What should you do? The prudent see danger and, have a look at 27 verse 12, and take refuge. Here's the second thing to do. First, the sea danger. Second, take refuge. Now, children, what's a refuge? Well, a refuge is a place of safety. If you go climbing the mountains in the Alps, there are huts and shelters that are mountain refuges. If if a storm is coming and it's a fierce storm, get into the refuge. There you're dry and at least a bit warmer and you're safe hopefully from avalanches and the storms that are dangerous. Here in Loughborough, there's a women's refuge. If a woman is being mistreated by the man that she's living with and she's unsafe, she can go to the refuge and be safe and protected from men who would harm her. The prudent, the wise, see danger and get into the refuge. Now, what's the refuge for us? What's the refuge from the danger of death? Well, this is why we read Psalm 2. Did you notice the very last line of Psalm 2? It was about a refuge. And the psalm is all about Jesus. It's a psalm about Jesus being the king, who is God's son, who is fierce against those who resist his rule and won't bow to him as God's king. But then it has this lovely last line. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. He's fierce against those who who resist his rule, but he's welcoming and safe to those who come to him for refuge. It's a repeated theme of the Psalms. There are so many examples of this. You might have noticed it was in Psalm 42 that we sang a minute ago about God sheltering us safely. But I'll just give you two other examples. I love these. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes 
refuge in him. Or Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. So many more examples. Jesus is our refuge. He shelters us. He keeps us safe. Now, how does he do it? You know, there's this man in history who lived 2,000 years ago that you've got a lot of writing about him in a book. How can he be your refuge? Well, the answer is he shelters us with himself. With himself. In April 1997, someone threw a grenade into a restaurant in Ethiopia. And there were two men there who took a split-second decision to throw themselves at the grenade. How strange. Wouldn't you throw yourself away from the grenade, throw yourself under the table? Why did they take that split-second decision and they both threw themselves at the grenade and on top of the grenade? The answer is they were with their wives and they were throwing themselves at the grenade to shelter their wives. Their bodies took the blast and their wives and the other bystanders, thankfully, were kept safe. They covered And they took the blast and they sheltered others. It's a a lovely picture. Well, it's a horrible picture, but there's love there, isn't there, of Jesus. He took a decision, not a split-second decision, but a settled-over-the-years-and-centuries decision to come and shelter us. So he would take the danger that was coming to us instead of us getting it. Not the danger of a grenade thrown that we don't deserve, but of judgment coming that we do deserve. Deserve for acting as if God isn't God and we're king of our lives and we'll do our own thing, thank you. And so Jesus went to the cross. And there God's punishment on sin rained down on him, humiliated him, punished him, broke him, killed him. But so we could shelter under him and be safe. Like those men in the Ethiopian restaurant, he was putting himself in the way to be our refuge. He's our refuge. He's our place of shelter. But don't get the wrong impression, because shelters are sometimes very strong, but not that pleasant. There's a place in the Cairngorms. The Cairngorms, for those who don't know, are mountains in Scotland. Massive mountain range. And there's a place called the Shelterstone. It's this massive rock. It's years since I've been there. But my recollection was it was like the size of a big house. But there is a hole underneath. And you can get under. And underneath there is room to spread out your sleeping bag. And you can sleep under this massive rock. And there, the rain won't get in, and however strong the wind or or fierce the lightning, it's not going to shatter that rock. You are safe. But it can't be said to be very comfortable or pleasant. Jesus is our strong shelter. He's called our rock, but he's no cold, hard stone. There was a time when Jesus was travelling to Jerusalem. He was going there to die, and he got to a hill overlooking the city. And he looked out over the city where the people lived who would kill him. And he knew it. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets and kill those who are sent to you, how often I've longed to gather you to myself like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Lovely, isn't it? 
He's a strong shelter like a rock, but he's so loving, personal, warm, close like a hen with chicks. He's the refuge. So are you a refugee? Are you a refugee? All Christians are refugees. You can't be a Christian without being a refugee. We've seen, haven't we, in the news, the pictures of refugees. A couple of years ago, there was that uh, group of them seemed to always be in the news, travelling across southeast Europe, pushing down barbed wire fences, desperate to get in. Now we still see them coming across the Mediterranean and the English Channel on flimsy boats at great danger. Why? They want to get to refuge. The prudent see danger and take refuge. And the danger of judgment by God is so definite, it's 100%, and so severe, remember the verses we read, you must be a refugee. I must get to Jesus and be safe in him. I must, at any cost, be trusting in sheltering under his death on the cross. Are you a refugee? See danger, take refuge, and the third thing to do, well actually it's something not to do, third thing, is don't keep going. Don't keep going. I know at church normally you're you're told to keep going and encouraged to keep going, but that's only if you keep going in the right way. Don't keep going. Look at verse 12 again if you've got Proverbs 27 in front of you. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. Imagine you're out for a bike ride in the evening and it's getting dark. You go down a road and there's a sign saying road closed. But you know what you do if you're cyclist. You say, oh, that's not for me. That's for the cars and the lorries. Not for me. It doesn't count for me. And on you go. And you come to another sign that says danger. And you think, ah, oh, these, uh, these councils, they're sort of health and safety fanatics, aren't they? Scaremongering. It will be all right. And on you go, and it's getting really dark, and you start to sit here that there is water running somewhere. But, you know, on a bike, you can cycle through it. It's hardly ever deep. And on you go, but you don't know that a, a river flooded in all these recent rains has taken down a bridge. And before you know it, it's taken you as well. And you're being swept away. What a fool. What a fool. The simple keep going and suffer for it. Will you be like that? Will you make similar excuses about this message? Oh, it's not for me. It's for someone else, but not for me. Oh, it's just scaremongering. That's just a preacher trying to scare us. Oh, I'm sure it will all work out. Things must work out. It can't be that all these people are really in danger. The simple keep going and suffer for it. What direction must we not keep going? Well, you must not keep going in a sin. Because the Bible says sin leads to death. Now you say, it'll be all right. Look at all these years I've been part of the church. It'll be all right. I'm trusting in Jesus. Well, that same Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. If you're really trusting him, you'll say, sin leads to death. I must not keep going in it. I'll turn away from it. You see, the simple keep going. The wise turn, in other words, repent. You must not keep going just ignoring what you hear from the Bible. It's so easy to listen. 
and go away and do nothing about it. It's so easy, children, even to listen and fill in your sheet and to know all the answers and to go away and do nothing about it. Teenagers, when I was a teen, I listened to the gospel preached Sunday by Sunday and sometimes it really got to me. I heard, I saw the danger. I heard the good news and it got to me and it concerned me. And on Monday I went to school and put it out of my mind and forgot about it until the next week, same again. What a fool. How dangerous. Don't do it. The simple keep going. Here's another way. You you must not keep going like this. We've got a children's song in our green book. It's based on a psalm. And it says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I heard a little girl, for some reason, change it to, when I am older, I will trust in you. I don't know why. When I am older, I will trust in you. It actually fits, doesn't it, the number of syllables, especially saying, when I'm older, I will trust in you. Well, there are people who say that when they're teenagers, when I'm older. When I'm older. It's difficult at school. Peer pressure. Well, it is difficult. I sympathise. But don't put it off. Because there are people who are still saying that in their 20s and their 40s. And there are even people saying it in their 70s. When death comes, I'll prepare for it. What a fool. Simple, keep going and suffer for it. Don't be a fool. Don't ignore the warning and just keep going. Especially when there's such a good refuge to turn to. Jesus is strong and he can shelter you. But he's not just strong, he's also loving. He's as strong as a rock and as warm and close and loving as a hen with her chicks. Sheltering in him isn't like being under the shelter stone in the Cairngorms and you've just got to put up with it while life passes you by. No, it is life to shelter in him, to be with him under his care. And he says, come to me and I'll never turn you away. Come to me, you're welcome and I'll shelter you. So go on, shelter under him, rely on him, ask him, Shelter me, care for me, forgive me. Jesus, I'm coming to you as a refugee. May I take refuge in you. Let's pray for that now.